This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good evening, good evening, and welcome to the Saturday Late Show with me, Miss Said. It's the 29th of January, 2022, and the time is exactly 8 p.m. Now, tonight's show is going to be pretty intense because we're discussing how SENCOs and SEN parents can work together to support the challenges that young people face. Now, I'm a SENCO, and my guest is a SEN parent advocate, so stay tuned for what will be a really fun discussion. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Right, good evening, good evening everyone and welcome to the show. I think that might have been Beth with the music there. Thank you for that, Beth. Good evening everyone and welcome to the late show. It is myself, Miss Sade, and I am particularly excited about oh <laughs> Is everything okay there, Beth? Really giving us I think three. I'm having a moment. <laughs> It's absolutely fine. This is the joy of having Teachers Talk Radio live tonight. So let's let's try again, maybe. Beth, I might just mute you for a second, just whilst you get your technical bits, bits and bobs ready. Right, good evening, everyone. Let's try that again. Third time lucky. Welcome to tonight's Late Show with myself, Miss Sade. And I will be joined in a moment, hopefully without technical difficulties, by the wonderfully talented Beth Wilson. Now, I am particularly excited about tonight's show because of the fact that it's something very close to my heart. We're looking at how educators and parents can work collaboratively to help young people overcome the challenges that the pandemic keeps throwing at them, particularly linked to mental health and SEND accessibility for SEND learners. That's going to be particularly interesting because I'm a very passionate SENCO and Beth is an equally passionate SEND parent advocate. We promise you that we're not going to have any arguments tonight (laughs) or name and shame any schools or parents. So hopefully this will be a really, really fun and meaningful discussion. Now, Beth, I'm going to try and unmute you you and let me know know if you can hear me, please. Can you hear me, please? I can hear you. Hi. <laughs> How are you? How, How are, are you this evening? Not, not bad, thank you. Hiding in my car away from my children. <laughs> <laughs> I can you hear myself. Quiet. <laughs> can I still hear myself back? Is that no? It's fantastic. Now, How, thank you so much for joining us this evening. I hope Beth doesn't mind me sharing this with the lovely listeners this evening. But Beth, if I'm not mistaken, you're in a car at this moment in time. <laughs> I am. I am in the car. And I am in my pajamas. Can I just say? <laughs> can, can I just say? Can zone. I just say, Beth? I I want you to know how privileged you actually are this evening. Now, I'm not a very girly girl. Random fun fact for the listeners this evening. And good evening to th- and thank you to all of you who've tuned in this evening. I'm not a girly girl at all. Now, I asked Beth for a photograph of herself earlier this week. I said, Look, I want to have a photo <laughs> of you on the poster to promote you, so people know what you look like. And when I saw how glamorous you actually looked, I painted my nails this morning for you, Beth. Just so you know. <laughs> After seven months, these nails have seen Max Rosalia shade. Just, just throwing that out there randomly for you. So there you go. You're welcome now. <laughs> for those listeners who may not know who you are, how, how dare they not know who you are? 
Please do tell us a bit about yourself. Go ahead. Over to you. I am a SEND parent to two children with disabilities, complex needs and mental health conditions. My eldest has 26 diagnosed conditions. She has been quite the challenge, <laughs> but fun along the way. She's why I got very invested in SEND and disability awareness in the first place. And I also am the parent to a crazy little three-year-old boy who is just a crazy little three-year-old boy. I also advocate for families that aren't able to do so themselves um, and I found that really quite rewarding because it just lets me give back where I've received help in the past. Wow. <laughs> I didn't actually know, I didn't know the 26 conditions bit, so I might yeah. literally just yeah. When you said that 26. Yeah, she's, she's, and most of them shouldn't, she's very unique. Most of them shouldn't be with her main condition, which is Turner syndrome, which is really very mm, rare yes. in yes. itself. Yes. But most of the conditions she has have never been known to be run alongside that. So we have the, the uh, an advantage really because all of the top consultants kind of want to be involved because they're like, oh, well, that's unusual. We Learning need to be in there. So we've, yeah, so we've never had the situation that a lot of families that I've worked with in the last 20 years have had where it's a fight for every single little thing. We literally had the situation with Rebecca that it's been, we all want to help you, we all want a bit of this, we all want to know what's going on there. <laughs> so working with other families was a real eye-opener for me, really, along the way. <laughs> mm, I can imagine comparing the experiences you've probably had, they're probably worlds apart, aren't they? Because mm. as you rightly say, and I'm not going to lie, as I say, I'll admit it myself, when you get a young person with a new condition, you almost partly selfishly think, oh my God, a wonderful learning opportunity. I'll get to help this yeah. young person in the family, but I'll actually develop my own knowledge. And if I encounter I could, future families in the future, I can help them too like that it was literally like when she started off with a statement of education needs when she was at nursery when she was about two and she only went for 10 minutes a day because she had massive separation anxiety yeah. and literally we had that statement within weeks <laughs> and, oh, and i could never yeah. understand why everybody was like oh my god it's such a battle it's this it's that and i'm like really because I didn't have that experience at all and I never really I always kind of thought it was just must be exaggerated it has to be exaggerated because how could we have it just as easy as we went to nursery and within weeks everything was in place she had every single bit of support you could imagine but I think it's it's very telling that when there's a lot of sort of complex needs there and you've got a lot of the top consultants involved people listen a lot quicker because it's, it's a bit like, oh, well, they've spoke, so I need to be, we need to up our game here, we need to be keeping on top of this. And that's what I found sort of very early on with her. You've actually touched upon a really, really uh, key point there. Just for any of our listeners who might not be familiar with um, statements and what they're now called, as they're now referred to as EHCPs, Education Healthcare Plans, they can take months, almost up to over a year, yeah. to actually get formalised by local authorities. So when Beth says weeks, that is astonishing. And if we're going back to the old school terminology of statements, pre-2015 Centre Code of Practice, it took even longer to get a statement of yeah. special needs. So for, for you to manage to get that is nothing short of profound. But as you rightly say, Beth, when there's more people involved, whether we think that's unfortunate or unfair or not, it does get yeah. clout in the local authorities' eyes and they do listen quicker because, oh my yeah. God, you've got six pediatricians, two education psychologists, mm -hmm. XYZ involved, or quickly stamp it off and that's it. But then what yeah. about the other parents who might not have the know-how and the passion that you have or the, the, the backing that you've had from other people as well. 
that and I think because she very quickly was in the the sort of send schools and what I found a lot of the time was a lot of the parents that had sent children actually had some form of neurodiversity or send themselves and so were less inclined to actually challenge these things because they were worried that things were going to be taken away from them that they already had in place and so it was a real sort of culture of just stay quiet and don't rock the boat and just take what you're given so I think rather than what was the best sort of pathway for the child which I always just thought oh you know it's such a shame because if the right pathway was in place to start with there wouldn't be as many problems down the line absolutely now linked to what you're saying about problems I'm glad you brought us on to this because we were discussing this obviously prior and I've obviously been I always research my guests I like to make sure I know exactly who I'm getting on the show to make sure that you know we ask meaningful questions um yeah as a dsl and as a senko mental health obviously is intrinsic to my role as you can appreciate because you're clearly very knowledgeable yeah. yourself Beth. obviously make sure you do your research mental health and well-being staff and students alike and parents in fairness and families has declined nationally yeah. there are umpteen headlines coming out the things just you know they're falling falling down and breaking down but there's a plethora of organizations there's a wealth of resource resources out there resource hubs and connections and what yeah. have you despite everything that is in existence what's going wrong in your opinion as a knowledgeable parent advocate what's what's not what, what's missing what's what's not working that we've still got you know, like to work on the right the, the link up between i think and a lot of local authorities the finances are there i, I think the link up between getting referrals done doesn't always sort of work because when it's being put down on paper, it's not being put down on paper, maybe quite as accurately as what what it should be. Um, and I think when it's then being triaged, I think they're missing a key point. And I'd done a, a talk with the Mental Health Network a couple of weeks ago and I'd said the same thing, the same thing again. We should be using Zoom and Teams so much more often now because it would triage the waiting times. We wouldn't have that. We don't need face-to-face. You're we right. can do a You're lot right. of this with, or you know, online or a telephone call or something like that that would actually cut the waiting time so much. But also, I remember taking part in a CAMS thing with Surrey a couple of years ago where there was talk about putting mental health hubs in every school. And I think that would be a massive, massive thing, even though it was a key member of staff that was there. Because now we're in a position where it isn't actually just the pupils that have the mental health conditions teaching staff are now under so much more pressure because they've worked constantly through COVID when a lot yes. of people have worked from home they've had Absolutely. to actually double up their, their their efforts and I think if they were more and I know from speaking to a lot of teacher friends that I have they're not free to speak about the mental health conditions that they've had or the mental health issues they've sort of been involved with or anything that they've interacted with something that they've experienced themselves it's kind of keep it at bay, don't talk about it in front of the children. But actually, talking about it with the children would be key to getting the children to trust them to open up about their own. If a teacher came, comes in and said, I've had a really bad weekend, I've had this happen, that happen, then a, a child is instantly more inclined to actually open up to that teacher because, well, actually, you're not just a teacher now, you're, you know, you've opened up to your what's going on in your life, now I can open up what's going on in mine. Absolutely. Nathan's just put a really, really good point in one of actually our executive team, actually, Teachers Talk Radio. So thank you for this, Nathan. He's put my sister's school has more mental health first aiders than actual physical medical first aiders. 
Well, I just put that. down that I, I, exact more schools need to follow suit yeah. because, you know, I don't want to make, you know, trivialise it, but if a child's got a bruise on their arm or they, they need a sick bag, that's one thing. But if a child comes in and yeah. says, I, I'm going is- to end my life tonight because I've had enough because yeah. my mum and dad has put up because my dad got made redundant because of COVID, which does happen, yeah. what do you do? And, and, and you've raised a beautiful point about staff. Be- sorry, go on. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, sorry. If well, you think about like how how long it takes to work with a mental health patient to actually get them in a place of yes, if you like being healthier or being mm-hmm. in a better place, mm-hmm. to if you cut a leg, if you break a leg, if you it's a physical health condition is much easier to heal than what a mental health condition is. So we should be having more mental health practitioners in schools because it's an area where we are solely really lacking in the UK. I think behind other countries that actually prioritise mental health and not just the children, but also in the staff working with them. And one of our other listeners, thank you so much, Martin Winwood, for your, your feedback. He's put literally one word, but it's such a powerful word. He's just put stigma. Yeah. Stigma. Yeah. And, the, and I don't think, and please tell me what you think, Beth, because I'm obviously of Southeast Asian uh, heritage myself, but I think it's not limited just to my ethnic group my cultural group if you will I think the stigma I'm talking as a member of a person who's worked in school for over 16 and a half years every Mm. ethnic group I've worked with every cultural group I've worked with that stigma is there in some shape or form it's either a pure lack of understanding they either don't think it's as serious as it actually is or they just don't want to know what do you think I think it's a bit of both to be honest and I've worked with I've done a lot of advocacy work for several um, families recently along mental health issues and the difference between dealing with a child that has a physical diagnosis of, say, a chromosome disorder or a bone disorder or a physical disorder and dealing with a child that has a mental health disorder has absolutely blown, really blown my mind because I have never really seen the, the disparity between how it's approached. And there is a stigma because it, it, nobody, it's as if nobody wants to acknowledge that this happens to everybody and it can happen to everybody and it's there's no sort of discrepancy in who gets touched by mental health conditions and I think the more we normalise that the easier it will be to actually tackle the problems when they come up. And now you can see listeners why I invited Beth onto this show because <laughs> she's literally, <laughs> Beth tell the truth now have we discussed this before this evening we haven't have we? No, we no. haven't. Like, she can verify we have not discussed this prior to the show, but I'm going to say exactly the same thing as you. It's culture. Mm. It needs yeah. to be embedded as a culture. I'm not just being biased. I don't name my own school, but as a senior mental health lead at my school, that's what we literally built our provision on. Every single member of staff, and you touched upon it earlier in fairness to you, Beth, mm-hmm. every member of staff has to feel equally confident to deal with a mental health first aid issue akin to a physical yeah. medical first aid issue. So if a child comes to you and says, Miss, I'm depressed, or sir, I want to kill myself or I tried to kill myself last night. Everyone to a certain degree needs to be able to to, to mostly deal with that, have the resilience to know, okay, I'm a mental yeah. first aider, I've got to administer something or I know who to report this to now to make sure you get the support yeah. that you need. But having that capacity, I mean, we've got, for example, Martin saying he's got an all through school, they've got one mental health first aider compared to Nathan's school where you've got more mental health first aiders than physical first. So you can see already the disparity and yeah. why the systems aren't fully working everywhere the way they maybe should be. 
But I think there's not the funding there. I think I really genuinely, especially in light of COVID, I think the government really needs to be putting some kind of mental health funding into schools where they can actually have a resource to hire in specific for that kind of funding because they're, they, I mean, there's umpteen different uh, resources showing you that mental health issues are up since COVID and that there's so many more conditions being diagnosed now and so much more need for it, that why is the funding not being put in place for schools? To Why should school have the burden of trying to find more funds to, to put those things in place to support the students when actually it's already highlighted as being very, very much needed? Absolutely. And again, Martin's made an excellent point. And thank you again, Martin, for your input saying CAMS is sorely lacking. And this isn't us having a dig at the NHS. Mm. It's akin to what you just, well, it's linked to what you're saying, Beth, that the funding just isn't there. The, yeah. the waiting list for CAMS, CAMS stands for Child and Adolescent Mental Health Service, for anybody who might not be familiar with the acronym. And they are a phenomenal service. Don't get me wrong, in my experience, they've been absolutely wonderful. I don't know how you feel, Beth, but I think CAMS, when they do provide the services, are amazing in the work that they do, with, especially with very young people. But the waiting list has gone from, you know, a month or a couple of months to now over 15, 16 months is what we're being told as, as staff members yeah. when we actually contact them. They're being saying, saying, sorry, put something in place in school. You've got to wait 16 months for us, you know, yeah. psychologist or psychiatrist to see a young person. And then as you rightly say, Beth, we don't have the capacity. And they've got I a young person. A show to talk about cams and sorry. <laughs> it's, it's, um, you it's, promised it's very, me the, the Beth Mitchell's uh, no, going to be kind tonight. Being, you promised me. I'm being good. <laughs> I'm being good. Being Beth good. is in the building. <laughs> no, it's, what I will say about cams and sorry is they are trying. And I have worked, been working with them for several years now um, on different and different capacities. And I have mm -hmm. to say that it is improving in small, in small areas. Um, and it is continuing to look like it will improve, but it's such small steps that don't sort of help the families that need it the most. The triage service, again, you need a better triage to be in place for those kids that are in absolute crisis, that schools can phone, because we're continually told safeguarding's everybody's business. But as we all know, when we make that safeguarding call, it doesn't always get answered the way it should. Don't get me started. Because they don't have the person there. And it's wrong, isn't it? They need to have a certain service in place to support that. And it, it's, I had this debate a few, a few weeks back on my very first show, which feels like an eternity ago now, where, you know, when we have these awfully heartbreaking cases of, you know, your Star Hobsons and your Arthurs, where people oh, say, who's yeah. to blame, who's to blame? And I'm thinking, hang on a minute, rather than start to slate social workers and what have you, why did nobody can we stop and say, again? exactly, and also look at the fact that if the social worker made a mistake, why? Because on, on one hand, yeah. you could say, fine, the social worker was incompetent. But on the flip side of it, you could say, well, actually, maybe that social worker was only worked and exhausted because they're picking yeah. up the people's work because they're understaffed. And they made a yeah. genuine error because they were exhausted. So it's a systemic issue rather than trying and to... And I think that's the thing, isn't it? Across, it across, yeah, across the board and all of our services, when you look at it, especially since COVID, everybody, everybody is overworked at the minute. Everybody has extra things to do, be it teaching staff, be it social workers, be it NHS, yeah. parents, carers, everybody is literally has just been thrown under the COVID bus and everybody's like at a loss to how we move forward to it. But there's no extra support for any of those things. And that's, I think, why everybody's so up in arms with the government because they're, they're looking at, at putting fixes in the wrong areas, whereas if they actually stopped and listened to what people were telling them, they'd be able to put probably much 
cheaper options in place Absolutely. to put support in place. And thank you so much to Mrs. Socha. I hope I've pronounced that correctly. Sorry if I haven't. She's put in a really valid point about the fact that initiatives aren't going to be nationwide until 2025. And she's absolutely right, linked to mental health leads. And that is far too late because the question is then yeah. what happens in the interim? And um, TSCW has raised a really valid point. They've got only two trained young men you know, youth mental health first aiders. That's because the course is offered for free. So if that's the case, wow. what about getting anyone and anyone else in? Because as we know, going back to Nathan's point about having lots of mental health first aid, if you can't afford it because your school budget's being blown on cover, dare I say, yeah. because of this little thing called COVID, not the previous pandemic yeah. that we're stuck in the middle of, you know, where's the funding going to come from? And they're yeah. absolutely right. I think absolutely right. where a lot of schools could make a difference there, and this is just through personal experience, is there's a, an awful lot of parent carers like myself that have gained the experience through their own families that would be willing to come in and work with schools and, you know, give that sort of voluntary, that support, that you could put something in place. Because I think sometimes it's easy to overlook the fact that the school community is not just, doesn't end at the school gates. You have the parents, you have the families of the children in the school. And sometimes if you look at what everybody has to offer, you could put something in place. But it's often, I think, overlooked because it's difficult to have those conversations to say, you know, what could you do to help? Could you bring something voluntary to our, to our school? And I think sometimes there's a barrier there to doing that. Mm, it, it, I think it also gets a little bit tricky. I don't know if unfortunately is the right adverb to use here because it gets tricky with regards to not just the blatant and the simple line of you know DBS checking, etc. But it's mm. also from a safeguarding perspective, making sure has everybody got the you know goodwill is one thing, Beth, but I'm sure you'll agree having the right skills requisite and the respective qualifications requisite to actually oh, yeah, deliver what they're delivering. Because of course, you know. I can think of umpteen parents akin to yourself who'd be really good for supporting mental health, but then there is a set level of skill that you do need, which only can be taught through a formal qualification delivered by an accredited mm. uh, course delivered. That just, that just, again, just adds on to the time and the waiting and the logistical yeah. side of things makes it all a living nightmare. And, and GDPR yeah. issues, absolutely. Thank you, Mrs. Ocha, absolutely. GDPR issues too. So it's just all these horrible uh, hurdles we have to jump. And in the interim, yep. it's our young people who are suffering the most. That is, that is the thing. And I think that's been quite overlooked, actually, because everybody yes. said, oh, the NHS have struggled, oh, teachers have struggled, schools have struggled, but actually, so have the kids. I mean, if you look at when Ooh. our children had Ooh. a last normal school year, my child's in year seven, her last normal school year was year three. I remember seeing someone put a chart up I on said, Twitter yeah. and it shocked. I literally had to take a step I back was for a second. I was like... Even I, I mean, it's been a long time, but when you physically see, you think, "Blimey, that's like yeah. half of the time they've ever been in education." It's yeah. just and both both of my children have EHCPs and technically could have been in schools, mm. but because mm. both myself and my eldest were in the shielded category, we couldn't. So we were indoors for like eighteen months, and because of my eldest's anxieties around COVID and how her understanding was of what the rules were, we weren't even able to go for a walk. I'm so glad we had a garden. <laughs> so word. glad we had a garden. <laughs> but yeah, I she wouldn't too. even go out for a walk. <laughs> so it was just like, what do you do? You know, and you, you, you don't even think about the mental health capacity of that, but even just things like the degeneration of your muscles for, you know, just, just moving because you're not doing the normal moving that you would have been day to day. So that kind of thing just adds in. And then, of course, you've got the added sort of wait for services after after you go back to 
normal, if you like. Now, you know, it's a thing where we're seeing a lot of that and an awful lot of that. Absolutely. Oh, gosh, you're just you're talking to my soul right now, Beth. I swear to God. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness me. Yes, now I'm just looking at the time. I can't believe all this comes already. I think we had quite an intense start to the the conversation here. Mm. We're going to take a really quick break, Beth. We're going to have a quick little uh, news and ad break. And I always say yep. this every single week, go for a tea, go for a wee, and bring back a bourbon. But do come back. We're going to continue <laughs> this discussion after this very short break, so don't go anywhere. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cats. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondleletterssounds.org.uk. Whatever learning looks like this year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family, Nearpod offers real-time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy-to-use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland full free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward slash Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common, a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. A report in The Independent makes it clear that Ofqual's chief regulator believes that changes to the 2022 examinations will not advantage more able pupils. As a result of the disruption caused by the pandemic, pupils in England and those students sitting GCSE from English exam boards will be offered a choice of topics in some GCSE exams. 
In a speech to the Sixth Form Colleges Association conference earlier in January, Chief Regulator Joe Saxton said the release of advanced information on the kinds of topics pupils will see in their exams would not advantage higher ability pupils. This advanced information is due on February the 7th and is being released to help students focus their revision to answer questions carrying more marks. It will not be provided for simpler one or two mark questions. In a statement, Ms Saxton said that she hoped that the advanced information will mean students who suffered the most disruption or those who are less able may gain confidence to tackle elements of the paper that they might not previously had the confidence to try. In response to the comments, Jeff Barton, General Secretary of ASCO, said, Many school leaders will have legitimate concerns about how the advanced information about exam content has been put together and how helpful it is likely to be to their students. Radio 1 presenter Vic Hope has returned to a former school in Newcastle to open its new wellbeing centre. In a report on the ITV News website, it is described how Ms Hope opened the centre at Dame Allen's in Fenham by stating, it's been important to me in my work to raise awareness, destigmatize, and signpost resources dedicated to nurturing the psychological and emotional well-being of our young people. And I am so proud that the Dame Allens is clearly doing this work so well too. Ms Hope is a human rights activist and Amnesty International ambassador, and has spoken candidly about mental health in the past. The Snug at Dame Allens offers counseling, psychotherapy, and special educational needs support and provides a dedicated place where students feel safe, heard and understood. With mental health and well-being now a key focus for many schools, Ms Hope praised the efforts made by schools to support pupils in this way. The news website Monitor reports on lessons the continent of Africa can learn about investing in education. It states that the universal lesson is that countries can no longer ignore the unprecedented learning crisis facing the continent. The pandemic has revealed what the article describes as alarming inequalities in accessing inclusive and quality education. The issue was discussed by leaders at the Global Education Summit, co-hosted by Kenya and the UK in London last week. The continent is facing some harsh realities and the summit launched a drive to increase national budget allocations for education, with greater emphasis on improving learning outcomes. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week we're going to take a look at teaching online. Marmite comes to mind when I think about teaching online. I actually like it, but it's my job and I'm surrounded by gadgets to assist me. A lot of teachers hate it. If you think about it, for 90% of the current population of teachers, delivering a lesson online is something they've not even been trained in. They signed up to be in the classroom with a group of pupils. I'm not going to go into the depths of the delivery platform. That's normally a choice that's already made for you by technology leaders in schools. I'm going to give you a couple of free tools that work in a browser, so don't need installing and can be used for engagements in the classroom and easily adapted to use online. First up, we all love Kahoot. Did you know you can set a Kahoot to be self-paced rather than live? Simply click the assign button and you have an instant self-paced quiz for a homework, a starter, or a progress check. If you need to take it online, share the link, and off you go. If you use lots of YouTube clips and websites, check out Wakelet. 
Share collections of links in a meaningful way for free. My favourite use for this is to group my YouTube clips for topics. Not only are they played back with less distractions, but I can share a group of links for revision or to flip a lesson. Again, if I have to teach online, one link can lead to many. Just remember to check your school's policy on using websites such as YouTube for online teaching. If you have access to devices in the classroom, why not try Mentimeter? Create interactive presentations, take votes or build word clouds from participants' answers to improve engagement, assess learning and inspire discussion. Or, if you love whiteboard, try whiteboard.fi. As a teacher, you can see all your classes' whiteboards and answers, know who's interacting and who's not. You can even show a QR code for ease of joining. I could go on and on. The idea is to test these things out when you're with your class and there's no pressure. Then, should you need to teach online, you'll feel more comfortable, there'll be fewer issues, and most importantly, you'll see if pupils are engaging. I hope you consider bringing a bit of tech into your classroom. As always, please test things work in your setting before you use them. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Right, and we are back. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you've had your wee, your tea, and maybe one day somebody may bring me back a bourbon biscuit. Beth, I've been trying for months, honestly. No one's listening to me right now. Now, for those who may have just joined us, Beth is a very highly respected percent parent advocate, and we have been talking about the hideous challenges, sadly, faced by our lovely young people due to this ongoing pandemic that we don't seem to be able to get rid of. Hopefully one day, hopefully we will. Uh, we've talked about the challenges linked to mental health and well-being and the stigma that's attached to it, the funding issues, the staffing and capacity and what have you. I want to move on a little bit now to arguably one of the most contentious questions <laughs> that I that I sent you, because just to point to context again, for those listeners who may not be aware, I'm a Senko. <laughs> Beth is a Sen parent advocate. So on paper, technically speaking, you're either meant to be partners or arch nemesis. We'll find out which one's going to happen now. <laughs> In the next minute or so. Now, um, can you give a, 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 a um, echo back? Can you put the volume, maybe, Beth? I think it's because I'm on loudspeaker or something. Is that all right? If you just, I think, done, I think you've done it perfect. Wonderful. Thank you so so much. Now I am going off uh, off the track a little bit, but I hope you'll uh, um, humour me in doing so. Um, you obviously are a senpere advocate first and foremost, and obviously it's, I was a senko way before I was a DSL. Senko is my my send qualification is my first ever love, if you will, in in my career. Now access to a broad and balanced curriculum, absolutely vital for send learners. Yeah, mm -hmm. no question, no debate. End of that part. However, how do we ensure, especially in a pandemic? And I always I have had this debate quite a few times in many EHC reviews, and I always feel torn and conflicted. So I really am very keen for you and for our listeners to please share their views as well. How you feel about this? Where you almost have conflicting targets in an EHC or outcomes in an EHCP. Where on one side it will say, you know, have this reasonable adjustment, have that reasonable adjustment. Then on the other side of the court, it will say, promote their independence. How yeah. do we, in the midst of a pandemic, ensure that we do? put in place what we should put in place to give our send learners that access, especially when it's particularly vital during a pandemic where learning is suffering, unfortunately, so, so very much. How do we do mm. that whilst also making sure we don't impede their independence, which is arguably equally important? I think it's about working together, really. I think it's hearing everybody's sort of side of what they want out of it so it's listening to what the parents saying they feel the child needs it's listening to what the teachers that are involved with 
the children in the class day to day, say that's working in the class day to day. And ultimately, mm-hmm. it's hearing the child at the centre and what they say. Because it's all right for me as a parent to say, my child needs a timeout card. If my child doesn't feel that they want to use that card, you are not going to get them to do that. Within, you know, With all the best will in the world, with everybody supporting them, they are not going to mm-hmm. use it if they don't feel physically able. But I think a big part for me as a, as a parent, just as a, purely as a parent hat on, I don't think there's enough training on the Equality Act and what reasonable adjustments are in schools in general. I think there needs to be more involvement on what that looks like. You know, not just for, well, that's a reasonable adjustment, That's really, and that's sort of what works across the board, because it's not going to work. What works for one child isn't going to work for another. You know, it's knowing, if you know what the Equality Act needs from you, as a teacher, needs from you as a parent, needs from you as the child at the centre, then you can meet somewhere in the middle. But I think a lot of the time there's a pressure because there's time pressures to get the EHCP done. There's a pressure on the school because they know what the LA is going to allow or not allow and they know they're going to be under pressure to sort of push anything through. And then there's just the pressure in general to get an EHCP done and dusted and at the door. And plus, add into the fact there's the pressure of now there's even more EHCPs going through post COVID again since before. It's, just it's the, the, the rise, well, isn't in, it? yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. There's so many more children needing them, that are re- parents requesting them because they know their children have fallen so far behind that they're now, you know, they now satisfy the laws of why they need a needs assessment, and that all adds up into, you know, how do we work together? Because that's what most the most parents that I work with that's whatever but they want to be feeling like they have a voice at the table and that they're not just being there there because I see that just so often and I know and it's often done without thinking it's often done as a sort of schools are busy schools we all know schools are busy and busier than usual and so it's done in a sort of not meant to be dismissive but the parents will take it as dismissive because they don't feel heard. And sometimes it's just a very small conversation where everybody's all working on the same agenda. Um, you can walk away and know that that actually went well. That, you know, I feel like I've been heard. I feel like my child's voice has been heard and we have a plan in place moving forward for my child, not for an autistic child, not for an ADHD child, but for my mm-hmm. child and I think that's really important to sort of keep at the core because you see I have two children that are autistic mm-hmm. that are very 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 different yes <laughs> very yes different. yes I, I do notice you tweet about this quite regularly in quite yeah. a lot of the send mums that follow me and I, I fully fully as a saying go here you whereby people say oh you're autistic so it's all the same all the same yeah. thing here's one a couple here's yeah. a couple of random resources you know knock yourself out and that couldn't yeah. be further from the truth in terms of what's actually needed I've, honestly just, I have, just, I've, sorry, sorry just a on. quick point here mrs sorcher's made a really really lovely point which i want to i want to discuss a bit further with you if i can and thank you mrs sorcher for your lovely um feedback here she's put i think the balance isn't even teachers don't have the time to sit down and read the long policies because it isn't given priority for cpd as subject knowledge is um, it's improving but not equally and consistently across all schools. And as a teacher here as well, I couldn't fully agree more. And I've had this pretty much in every single school that I've ever worked in. And umpteen of my Senko friends say the same thing. That, that, if you're going, if to, you're school, going to school... I'll start from myself and my voice then. Sorry. 
It's okay. It's okay. The, these are the joys, everybody, of live. This just proves everything is live. We all we always go with it. Um, you still there? Sorry, Beth. Can you hear me? Oh, have I lost you? I think I may have lost Beth. Hopefully, she'll come Hopefully back. Hopefully, she'll come back. Yes. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> sorry. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I can hear myself, so you know, maybe try the volume a little bit. Sorry, this was. Is that better? I think so. I think so. Oh, no. I can still hear myself now. Well, yeah, a bit better. I'll talk to myself. I'll whisper. What I was saying is the fact that send. It's still a bit loud. Sorry, Beth. Can you. Yeah, let me try and adjust that. This is the dedication here, listeners. Beth. To make sure to she make could sure be she here could tonight, be tonight, sat in her car, but as a result, as a result I'm on loudspeaker in the car. So we just go with it. We just go with the flow. Just a little bit more, and then we should be we should be good to go. I think. Try that. That's that's perfect. I can see myself, but we'll still go with it a little bit. The key thing is. Ofsted's, Ofsted's new inspection, inspection framework, framework fully focuses, fully focuses well, well, heavily focuses on the quality of education. education. Yeah. So as a result, so as a result the quality of that act doesn't come into it. And there's a and lot more focus on curriculum and subject knowledge and pedagogy. So what do we do as teachers? Because we feel the pain too. As Senkos, we feel it as well that we want to sit down and really just fully digest these equality act and disability discrimination acts and what have you. As you rightly say, Beth, we're also touching upon the pressures that we're facing with the curriculum and Oster still demanding progress and what have you and catch up and fill in the gaps that children have lost out on. Where do we go? Can we not just abolish Ofsted? I mean, just this an is, idea. Feel free to vote. I'll, I'll, I'll start a petition if everybody will sign it. Yes, yes. yes. I will make sure Teacher Talk Radio retreat. That's it, yes. That's it. Right into the over shoulder and abolish off dead sorted. Tech, quickest, tech, tech. Quickest interview ever. Quickest interview ever. If only we could do that, Beth. I know. It's, it's such it's a shame because, because, sorry, could you just, could you just volume a little bit, because I can still hear myself, myself a, little a little bit at the back, if you don't mind, sorry. Try that. Is that any? I see if that's. You did something you did better something before, because I could hear myself. I, I think it was because I had it through my through my car rather than ah, my Right, okay, that's a, bit better now. that's a bit better now. Let's see if right. we do it this way. Let's have a look. Let's I can see it myself, but it's not too, too bad. I can... Someone let me know in the How chat if it's okay. Is that all right? That's better. How is that? That's, that's definitely better. Is that better? better. Okay. And what I'm, what I'm feeling is the fact that you're a parent, I'm an educator, and we're saying the same thing. Yet, now yeah. moving on to my next question here, we still get, and I'm not criticising anybody, I want to make that crystal clear right now, I'm not criticising anybody, we still get sometimes schools being slated. My child didn't get this, my child didn't get that, but I want to give you a little scenario here. Schools are under so much pressure, akin to parents, don't get me wrong, parents are under pressure too, mm. and, are fully, and obviously young people, the most important people here, are under pressures too. But I'm going to give you a hypothetical example, which does actually happen. Um, 12 staff are off with COVID. Um, we've got a supply teacher meant to be coming in. At the last minute, the agency phone up and say, sorry, your supply teacher is actually sick. We're sending in a replacement. The replacement comes in just in the nick of time, gets the DBS check, gets the induction pack that says, this is the fire drill, this is who the DSL is, blah, 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 run to your lesson. 
As a result, they don't get a chance to get the handover information and they teach a lesson to a child, including a child in the class who's got severe anxiety. That child gets one need that isn't fully met, uh, goes home and complains about it, and the school is slated by the parent. Should the school be forgiven or is that fair? <laughs> now, no, that's a touchy question. For me, this is where things like pupil passport, one-page profile, that's all, hmm. access, all easily avoidable because I have a child with severe anxiety, so I know that that's all listed and change and stuff is massive for, for her. And I know that she's also got, like, I've, I've spoke recently with school to say that she has, a, like, a designated safe adult that she trusts that she can go and speak to if something happens in the day so that to avoid that whole, because let's face it, if, they, if something happens in period one, and she's then got to carry that around the whole day. By the time she gets to me, it's a massive meltdown. Whereas, actually, if it could have been dealt with at, at period one with a trusted adult that she's chosen, it could have been de-escalated and dealt with and moved forward and it's not even an issue in her day. So I think it's things like, you know, pupil passports, one-page profiles, and having some kind of thing in place that all staff can access even if it is a uh, you know a new member of staff that's coming in just on the day on the hop and doesn't know anybody they can look at the app they can see right away okay so this child has needs this support this child has that that's and they can adjust it as they go along throughout the day which makes it much easier than having no sort of knowledge of the class that they're going into I hear you, and I'm going to be devil's advocate on purpose, which I did warn you a little bit I would be. But it still happens that yeah. the one-page profiles exist. Yeah, you might have provision yeah. plans. Sometimes they're called IEPs, individual education plans. There's some team yeah. names for them. They still exist, but the supply teacher doesn't get a chance to access them in time because they've had a technical difficulty or the server goes down. It's not very likely to happen, but it can and has happened. Is it forgivable? I think it's not about being forgivable. It's about having good communication channels with parents. I think that's key. I think having good communication and good, strong sort of interactions with parents and it not being them and us. You know, having mm. been in that situation mm. myself with other schools, I've had situations where I know I can drop an email and get a response and it's done and dealt with and that's it. Or pick up the phone, it's done and dealt with and it's that. If you don't feel heard as a parent and you don't feel that you're getting anywhere as a parent or you feel you've raised something 85 million times and it's still happening, yeah. you're going to vent. Yeah. And then when yeah. you have to slate the yeah. school, it's it's never... Slating a school is a last resort for every parent. Honestly, mm. it really genuinely mm. is because there's always that worry that then it's going to be taken out on your child. And it's a very fine balance of when you make that decision. And it's why I never ever 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 and we've had some very massive issues in the past um i never name my children's schools because i just wouldn't <laughs> just wouldn't do that i deal with what i need to deal with on the back burner you know what, what, mm. through the proper channels mm. but i would never do it on social media because it's then not fair to and same as, i'd never tag a head teacher that was my child's head teacher or my child's teacher that i'd found because that's their personal profile and i don't feel that's I wouldn't expect them to tag me and say, your child's homework's late. Why is it late? Why are you on social media when your child's homework's late? So equally, I wouldn't expect me to tag them and say, why have you given my kid attention? 
<laughs> do you know what I mean? It's just, I think I'm it's a so mutual grateful. respect thing. Yeah, I am so grateful you said that because obviously, um, Miss, Mrs. Sorcher, and thank you so much for interaction this evening. Mrs. Sorcher raised a really valid point. She said, I agree with Beth. In primary, there was no plan in place for the situation that I mentioned, which obviously, Mrs. Sorcher, please rest assured I did on purpose to get the discussion flowing even more. <laughs> but in secondary, things were in place from day one and been no issues. And this is why, Beth, yeah. like I said to you before, I wanted you on because it's a case of sometimes, besides the young people, we as educators can learn the best from you. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. you've pinned this to your uh, Twitter page, which yeah. I think is a beautiful quotation that as parents, don't be afraid to be advocates for your children because you know them best. And I think the reason why I've been successful as a Senko is because I touch wood, don't want to jinx it, I get on with my parents. So I don't really yeah. Do you know, you, you can't undervalue that. You cannot yes. undervalue, honest to God, you cannot put a price on that because throughout the year, I've been in Send 20 years. And having a single, if everybody, every other member of staff is is just, if you just cannot gel with them, you have to have a single that you can go to. You have yes. to, because yes. if you don't have that, you have nothing, you know, mm -hmm. because where is your point of call? You can't, you know, the teacher's not going to be able to, it all goes back to the single when you have a child with saying. And you have to have someone that, that knows, you know, that knows what they're doing and that knows your child and that 100% has that fire in their gut to say, mm -hmm. I will stand up to the local authority and I will get what's needed for your child. But, you, you know, and have each other's back sort of thing. I, I've always said this before, and I'll say it again, I said this in a previous show, I think Mr Stammer was on, that being a DSL and a SENCO is actually really, really useful for me because you get such good practice of taking on the LA, <laughs> arguing yeah. with them and yeah. fighting them. And you have to be, you're absolutely right, Beth, that sometimes it is it is on our shoulders to fight for you because there's certain yeah. meetings you can be a part of as a parent, but there's certain meetings you can't, and we have yeah. to be the one. And that's why I always say, you know, this local parentis, we take it so seriously because we have to. Because, because and, and yeah. this is why I wanted you on here to, to almost like give CPD to our listeners, if you will, straight from the horse's <laughs> mouth, so to speak, of how we can yeah. work together more collaboratively. And, you know, as you touched on before, I, my, my difficult situation I gave on purpose, you'll forgive isolated incidents where something goes a little mm -hmm. bit awry, but it's only when things systemically are going wrong where you're thinking, I'm going to minute, my child's needs aren't being met. And I let you off the first time, but I didn't say anything the second time, but this is the fourth week in a row that she's coming home in bits. And yeah. that's valid. And I'd take that. I would never let that happen. Yeah. If that happened, God forbid, I would take it because that's a valid criticism. But as you've yeah. already said, this is why I think you're so loved and so respected by so many parents because you do advocate so professionally, if I do say so myself to you, that you don't Thank name you. shame. You know, but honestly, Beth, no. I appreciate no. it because I have seen pockets of where sometimes schools get mentioned. And I think laws, yeah. you know, that, that's quite a scary position because we are vulnerable as teachers and educators. Yeah. So that's why Absolutely. I respect you so much because you do it with dignity and fairness. Now, we've got a very, very contentious point raised here. I don't know who you are, sorry, but ZHJSGQBT has said, um, this is a great discussion tonight, but I'm waiting for mention of how academization has caused so many sent pupils to miss out on their education when they are forced out in different ways. How long do we have, Beth? Not enough to go on that. <laughs> I was just because I totally, I totally and utterly 100% agree. I think the, I think Wow. It wasn't off rolling and everything wasn't such a big issue before we had academies. And essentially, if you have a school that is being run purely with the forefront of being a business, you're not a pupil. You're not as as much, I don't want to say you're not a pupil centred, but you're not. Your forefront is your bank balance. 
you know, and how you how you are appearing. That's how it is from a parent's perspective where a child was sent. I would rather send my child to a requires improvement school that's local authority funded than an outstanding academy school because I would know that my child wouldn't be pushed aside. And that's I, through experience. I, 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 I will have to say that obviously I'm, I have to obviously be very careful what I say here because I do work yep. in education. I do work in an academy. <laughs> I don't know who you are, ZHJ. If you want to DM me after the show, come on my other show. We'll happily have a whole show dedicated to this. But I do hear you, Beth, in that yeah. there is an issue there. And sometimes, yeah. as I said, it hurts me that children can be seen as a burden because yeah. their needs are too much. And this is why um, there's a little process whereby when parents apply to schools, which just in case some of our listeners might not know, you know this, Beth, but in case some listeners may not know, that um, something called the governing body response form is sent to school to say, this is the child's ACP, this is what the child needs, the parent wants you to, them to come to your school, can you can you actually meet their needs? And I've seen some schools turn around and say, well, actually, do you know what? There's not a lot of money attached to this child. It's going to be too much hassle. Let's just say no. I, I don't work like that, obviously. Rest assured, I don't work like that. I want to reassure this is. But I do hear that sometimes it is a case of it's just easier to go, yeah, you know what, just say no. Someone else will have them. Yeah. It's, it's too it's much. Sad, to really. Yeah. Because yeah. It, it comes down to that whole view that, well, a neurotypical child has more to bring to the table than a neurodiverse child, which is just not the case because we all we're all as valid as each other and we all bring something to the table you know it may be a very different thing we bring to the table but that's a good thing because that sort of that that's inclusion that's when we're all together bringing our own ideas to the table that's yes. real inclusion you know and that's yes. what needs to happen yes. more yes. And uh, thank you, Terry. Terry said I had a sadly, very sad. Sorry to hear this, Terry. He had a grandson forced out from two academies. Wow. Two academies. You may want to get in touch with Beth after the show, actually, Terry, because Beth is good. Beth is very good. <laughs> maybe Beth can give some 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 guidance and advice and outside of the show. But it does happen, doesn't it, Beth? Whereby and unfortunately, yeah. all these external pressures. I'm not defending yeah. academies who do that, but sometimes, not all the time, they've got umpteen external pressures that leave them with no yeah. choice but to go. Do you know what? We can't take anything else on because we're not going to manage it for one reason or another. I think capacity it, or... it always comes back to money. Yes, sadly, yes. which is yeah. as, as, as yeah. sad as, as much as we say it needs to be a child focused, child centered sort of environment that always comes back to funding. And that's, I think, where the biggest issues are, because the funding that's coming from central government down to local authorities isn't enough to cover the gaps in the amount of children with SEND in the schools in the first place and I think that's the biggest issue so schools take a lot of the brunt but actually yes. it, it does yes. come back to the funding that they get because you can only do so much of what you've got mm. is the bottom yes. line right. and you know with the best intentions of the world if you don't have enough funding to meet the needs of that child then you're going to have to say no because what's the alternative? Take them in and then fail to meet their needs and cause trauma to the child by failing to meet their needs and that's also, not also. a good outcome either and also on top of that, the other situation that I've sometimes found in the past, which is so painful from a Senko's perspective, is you take a child on and, you know, all the paperwork gets done, you send it to the LA to get funding approved, you know it's going to get approved, but because of this backlog, you've got at least a year's wait, and in the interim you can't afford to actually put something in place yourself. I don't want to go with the child because, you know, you can support them in the long run, but in the short term you're thinking, I'm failing you. 
and it's horrible it's just, because it's, you haven't got the capacity with right? COVID and staff isolating. Yeah. You're losing staff left, right, and said dropping like flies. It's just yeah, it's merciless. It's a lose-lose situation, really. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. Gosh, this this conversation is taking a very dark, dark turn here. <laughs> let's right. Let's let's move on a little bit now to something else, which isn't actually any more positive, but something else that I think would be really useful for our listeners to get a you know a very knowledgeable parents insight into. Um, you've and I feel like I, I sound like I'm stalking. I promise you, I'm not. I was just doing research on your best, scrolling through your account. But you tweeted on more than one occasion, and it really stuck out to me, uh, spoke to me actually about eating disorders. Yes. And I don't want to name the brand in case they get in trouble with the producers, but you did a screenshot of a, a toy, shall we say, you might remember what I'm talking about when I say this, and you said you were alluding to the fact there's quite a lot of subtle pressures on young girls in particular that make yep. them susceptible to eating disorders. And I couldn't yeah, agree with you more on this. It is the bane of my life. Some of the things that are out there that indirectly advocate eating, eating disorders, what can we do? I think it's, again, it's about having open and honest conversations because with things, especially in schools, again, because children and young people have, they'll maybe have a teacher, a favourite teacher, and they think that favourite teacher is just idyllic to them, or a friend's, friend's parent, whatever. And I think mm-hmm. often it's, if they realise that that parent when they were younger, or that teacher when they were younger, had issues around food, had issues around their image, had issues around, you know, anything like that, that's massive for you know I've I've openly shared to my children the, the struggles that I had with diet when I was younger and you know I've I've done the whole diet pill thing to lose a massive amount of weight to get married and ended up losing like six seven eight stone in the space of like three months with diet pills but I totally utterly trashed my body in the process but I've been very open with them about that and why healthy eating is the way to go and exercise and so I think it's it's open and honest conversations and even when you're seeing images especially on social media having the conversations where but they don't look like that in real life that's that's their you know let's take a picture and I do it with my girls often we'll have a picture and then we'll do a different the same at the same time a picture on like snapchat with a filter and then we'll look at it and I'll say well look how different we look we don't even look like who we are Sorry, Beth, to interrupt you, but Khalil, sorry, Beth, I do apologise, um, but Khalil's made a really, really valid point, another one of our lovely uh, Teacher Talk Radio hosts, and also, like myself, a, a safeguarding lead. Um, he said, I asked a year nine girl why she doesn't want to eat, and she said it's because she wants to be attractive. And FYI, she's already slim, and we hear that so much it's heartbreaking and mrs sort has raised a beautiful point here she said great time for this topic it's national eating disorder week starting february 28th right and terry said this is both common and awful couldn't agree with you more couldn't agree with you more yeah it's it's i think it is just about being honest we need to be having the conversations more because for such a long time you 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 weren't able to to mention a person's appearance because that would be offensive when actually we should be talking yes. about it because yes. we're not being offensive we're being honest so you know and and don't you find that people don't compliment each other <laughs> you know like if i see somebody in the hair i'll be like oh your hair's really nice you know it looks really lovely but you don't children especially don't they they struggle to take compliments 
they will i find where a lot of my my children's friends we went out for a day out and there were several of them and i had said something about one of their outfits and they were like oh yeah but i'm having a really fat day and i was like you're 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 12 <laughs> you know it just and it blew my mind and we had some really positive conversations around you know how good she looked and her friends were really positive about it but i'm not sure that everybody's able to have that kind of conversation. Now, Terry's raised a valid point. He says it does depend on what you say to them, Beth. And I think I'm on the fence here because I think I'm more towards your, what you're saying, Beth, in the sense that, I'm sorry if I misunderstood you, Terry, please do correct me in the chat or please feel free to call in. Um, children do not take compliments. In my experience, they don't at all. And if you yeah. do, they either look embarrassed or they think, oh, you know what, you're just saying that to be nice to me. Yes. And I've got some of the, I mean, I think children are wonderful in general. That's why I work in education. That's why all of us do, because we're committed to young people. But the amount of low self-esteem is just like everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. And some of the most stunning yes. girls are like, oh, my God, I hate this. And so many of them who wear so much makeup because I feel yeah. better because I've got this mask on. And it's so I am. And so I am. But I'm also equally a big advocate for if you want to wear makeup to make yourself feel better, oh, no, as no, long no, as absolutely. it's to make yourself feel better, that's yes. fine. As long as that's it's not it, to make it. somebody else yes. like you. Yes. Yeah. If yeah. it's yeah. for you, absolutely fine. Mm -hmm. That's Agreed. that's absolutely good. That's fine. But as long as it's being taught alongside, you know, self-esteem boosting. We done a lot of work in, in lockdown, especially with my now twelve year old because she went through a really bad period before lockdown, being bullied at school by a boy and she her self-esteem was on the floor. Lockdown done her a favour. She had time we just focused purely on her self-esteem, her well being, boosting her confidence. She came out of lockdown a very different young adult to what she went in it. <laughs> you know, her confidence <laughs> story. Is, I wish I wish I had her confidence. She has, she still has the niggles. She still has, you know, the self-doubt. She still has all of that that you expect from a 12-year-old. But she has that self-confidence where she knows that she is enough for her. And that, that was a conversation she had, and that was a comment she'd made to her friend. But you don't need to be enough for anybody else. You just need to be enough for you. And I was like, you know what? I really love that. That is amazing. I really love that. Yeah, yeah. And that it just, it, it, I wish that we could wonderful. all sort of look at ourselves and say, but we're enough for us. Do you know what the thing is? I can, th for every young person I can think of, I can also think of an adult. Yeah. Who has no self-esteem. Yeah. That's the bit that breaks my heart. Is And, you, and this goes back to what we touched on much earlier on in our discussion about how mental health is on the decline for staff, for, for families, in fairness, parents yeah. as well. People. Now, on that note, I hate to say this, we are going to have to go into the break. But yet again, you know the job on our people, go for a week, go for a tea, and maybe this time somebody might be like a one biscuit. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this break, everyone. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you.
created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics. Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cats. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewonderlettersandsounds.org.uk. Whatever learning looks like this year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family, Nearpod offers real-time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy-to-use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland full free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward slash Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common, a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. A report in The Independent makes it clear that Ofqual's chief regulator believes that changes to the 2022 examinations will not advantage more able pupils. As a result of the disruption caused by the pandemic, pupils in England and those students sitting GCSE from English exam boards will be offered a choice of topics in some GCSE exams. In a speech to the Sixth Form Colleges Association conference earlier in January, Chief Regulator Joe Saxton said the release of advanced information on the kinds of topics pupils will see in their exams would not advantage higher ability pupils. This advanced information is due on February the 7th and is being released to help students focus their revision to answer questions carrying more marks. It will not be provided for simpler one or two mark questions. In a statement, Ms Saxton said that she hoped that the advanced information will mean students who suffered the most disruption or those who are less able may gain confidence to tackle elements of the paper that they might not previously had the confidence to try. In response to the comments, Jeff Barton, General Secretary of ASCL, said, many school leaders will have legitimate concerns about how the advance information about exam content has been put together and how helpful it is likely to be to their students. Radio 1 presenter Vic Hope has returned to a former school in Newcastle to open its new wellbeing centre. In a report on the ITV News website, it is described how Ms Hope opened the centre at Dame Allen's in Fenham by stating, It's been important to me in my work to raise awareness, destigmatise, and signpost resources dedicated to nurturing the psychological and emotional wellbeing of our young people. 
And I am so proud that the Dame Allens is clearly doing this work so well too. Ms Hope is a human rights activist and Amnesty International ambassador and has spoken candidly about mental health in the past. The Snug at Dame Allens offers counselling, psychotherapy and special educational needs support and provides a dedicated place where students feel safe, heard and understood. With mental health and wellbeing now a key focus for many schools, Ms Hope praised the efforts made by schools to support pupils in this way. The news website Monitor reports on lessons the continent of Africa can learn about investing in education. It states that the universal lesson is that countries can no longer ignore the unprecedented learning crisis facing the continent. The pandemic has revealed what the article describes as alarming inequalities in accessing inclusive and quality education. The issue was discussed by leaders at the Global Education Summit, co-hosted by Kenya and the UK in London last week. The continent is facing some harsh realities and the summit launched a drive to increase national budget allocations for education, with greater emphasis on improving learning outcomes. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week we're going to take a look at teaching online. Marmite comes to mind when I think about teaching online. I actually like it, but it's my job and I'm surrounded by gadgets to assist me. A lot of teachers hate it. If you think about it, for 90% of the current population of teachers, delivering a lesson online is something they've not even been trained in. They signed up to be in the classroom with a group of pupils. I'm not going to go into the depths of the delivery platform. That's normally a choice that's already made for you by technology leaders in schools. I'm going to give you a couple of free tools that work in a browser, so don't need installing and can be used for engagements in the classroom and easily adapted to use online. First up, we all love Kahoot. Did you know you can set a Kahoot to be self-paced rather than live? Simply click the assign button and you have an instant self-paced quiz for a homework, a starter or a progress check. If you need to take it online, share the link and off you go. If you use lots of YouTube clips and websites, check out Wakelet. Share collections of links in a meaningful way for free. My favourite use for this is to group my YouTube clips for topics. Not only are they played back with less distractions, but I can share a group of links for revision or to flip a lesson. Again, if I have to teach online, one link can lead to many. Just remember to check your school's policy on using websites such as YouTube for online teaching. If you have access to devices in the classroom, why not try Mentimeter? Create interactive presentations, take votes or build word clouds from participants' answers to improve engagement, assess learning and inspire discussion. Or, if you love whiteboards, Boards, try whiteboard.fi. As a teacher, you can see all your class's whiteboards and answers, know who's interacting and who's not. You can even show a QR code for ease of joining. I could go on and on. The idea is to test these things out when you're with your class and there's no pressure. Then, should you need to teach online, you'll feel more comfortable, there'll be fewer issues, and most importantly, you'll see if pupils are engaging. I hope you consider bringing a bit of tech into your classroom. As always, please test things work in your setting before you use them. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Right, and we are back. I'm just going to get the unmuting going here. De Beth, are you still there, please? I hope you are. I'm still I'm here. I'm still here. Everyone's <laughs> had their wee and tea break. 
Every, every one day, Beth, it will happen. Some somehow a bourbon will miraculously just form in front of me. <laughs> I should be sponsored by bourbons. I'm telling you, now, honestly, I mentioned them enough. Now, thank you to those listeners who've been with us from the very start, and equally welcome to those of you who've just joined us now. We are in a very intense. In- I'm, I'm fascinated with Beth. I'm not going to lie. I'm absolutely fascinated this evening, in particular, <laughs> with our discussions around how we can work collaboratively together as parents and educators to support our young people get through this hideous pandemic. Now, we were talking about, you know, inclusivity amongst many other things prior to this, uh, just a break they've had just now. Um, amongst a number of other things that you've tweeted, I another tweet that really spoke out to me, and this, I'm talking as a whole school medical lead because Bethel vouch for this, that usually the Senko does double up as the whole school medical lead because it does, it feeds into their job. You know, it just, it's almost, you know, intrinsic to their role to know about medical needs. Um, you tweeted about the importance of medical alert bracelets and how one of your daughters, yeah. I mean, one of your children had them when they were young and how in, how useful yeah. they were to have. Now, again, I'm yeah. being devil's advocate on purpose. I'm just saying that for the record. <laughs> but I have yeah. actually had this challenge faced, I had to face a challenge myself in previous roles where parents have said, well, actually, and, and young people have said, I'm a teen. I don't want to wear this label that says I've got epilepsy. Yeah. Don't make me wear it. Now, yeah. where do we draw the line between meeting their needs because they are self-conscious they've got that self-esteem you know issue which is understandable and part of that could be i don't feel pretty anyway and i've got a label that makes me look like i'm weird because i've got epilepsy or whatever yeah but at the same time if you've got a secondary school where you've got 1200 1300 children and you've got staff coming and going because you've got supply in because a lot of staff are absent and as you rightly said you've got to make sure that everyone knows where do we draw the line i think it's about Again, it's the awareness from a very early age, isn't it? Because if they're more aware of why, the, if they, like my, my daughter, as I say, she has had, she was born with a majority of her conditions. So she mm-hmm, chose mm-hmm. the bracelet herself um, and they were very, very pretty when she was younger. In fact, one of my grumbles as she got older to the companies themselves was that they went from, although she was 14, 15 and too big to wear the bracelets that they had for children, she still actually wanted to wear those patterns and wear the designs. She didn't want something more grown up. And um, I sort of challenged them around the, the concept that they should be providing them in a bigger size and more variety. And even as a, as a teenager, there's there's a lot of there's a, there's a lot of barriers to accessing those things because they're very expensive. Yes. I mean, we there was a yes. big, a massive jump, massive jump from the children's ones to the ones that were for teenagers and adults. You were talking like about between fifty and a hundred pounds. That's just not accessible for a lot of families. Mm. So there's there's more than just the barrier of the the sort of fashion side of it, um, mm-hmm. where and I know you can like carry a card and stuff like that, but how do you make that known if it's in your wallet or your purse and you're Absolutely. collapsed on the floor? You just couldn't, you know, you just, you just couldn't. And I got to the stage where, as a parent, what I'd, and it's, it's, it comes out in micromanaging because I've had to micromanage because we've had massive mistakes made with my eldest care throughout the board sort of thing. So now I have a template where as a list of every single one of our conditions diagnosed, a list of mm-hmm. every single consultant mm-hmm. involved and the, the, the contact details, and it has a list of all our medications. And I email that every time it changes or every new term to every everybody involved with <laughs> whether it be you, school you, can transport. i just thank you on behalf of every senko that exists anywhere <laughs> in the world 
because honestly, <laughs> no, I'm not criticizing any parents, but sometimes for one reason or another, I have to sometimes chase parents up and say, you know, your child's needs have changed. You need to tell me because the child may not necessarily articulate themselves. And and, and what yeah. I love is the fact, and why, this is one of the biggest reasons why I wanted you on here tonight, was to show that as long as we work together, that's yeah. it's, that collaboration yeah. is intrinsic to success and for the well-being and welfare of the young person to stay intact because we need to keep relying on each other to make sure that all the records are up to date and everything's in Definitely. place now. Just to go off track a little bit, but Terry's raised a very valid point here. He says, um, we're talking about self-conscious teens and what have you, linking to that theme. We now live in a time when a compliment is seen as suspicious slash creepy. Too often a simple, I like your X, Y, Z, or you've done a good job, etc. whatever it is, is taken wrongly and answered as if it's an attack of some sort. Do you think yeah. we live in a time where people are just more self-conscious, so even if someone means something with the best and you know, goodwill in the world, it's misconstrued automatically? I do. I think that is. I think that is accurate. To be fair, because but I think we've been sort of channeled to believe that rather than you know if you go back sort of when I was a teenager compared to where my girls are now, it was you. We could trust every adult we came across. We had open doors. We didn't lock our doors. We we walked each other home halfway and then walked home ourselves. I wouldn't dream of allowing my my kids to do that now. But I think it's because there's much more awareness of the dangers whereas we didn't really talk about the dangers in the past we do now and i think that's made us a little bit more paranoid as a as a society as a whole i won't lie i have to say i'm, I'm talking as i'm not a mother but as an aunt i'm not talking as a, as a teacher mm. i'm talking as an auntie i do agree with you because interestingly yeah. Um, had a young lady ask, have this, asked me this in my office earlier this week she said miss has society changed from when you were a child and i said yeah in my day, yeah. our parents would let us out at the age of 10 or 11 to go down the yeah. road or go a little bit further out to the library by ourselves. We wouldn't dream of doing it now. And it's not that they don't trust us, it's they don't trust society. No. But that, ladies and gentlemen, is a different show in itself altogether. I think yeah. if I'm honest, yeah. that's going to be Definitely. another three and a half hours required now. Pains me to say this, Beth, we are so coming to the, you know, close to the end of the show. I'm absolutely gutted to say that. But <laughs> I do wanna, I've, I've been very intense with you. And credit where it's due, the Bethanator has been dormant this evening. So thank you for that, first of the most. <laughs> I am going to ask a nice, easy question because I think it's important. <laughs> now, as a practicing Muslim, I don't drink. But I always find it highly right. amusing when Beth puts these posts up and she does this religiously <laughs> on a Friday. <laughs> she knows what oh, I'm yeah. going to say now. It's, my emails are going off. I've got the wine. Yep. Da-da. Now, you yep. have these love. You, you, you post some seriously intense stuff. Like, I mean, you don't mince your words. And I have nothing but the utmost respect for you for doing that, of course, and more power to you. And you are a prominent tweeter with many, many followers. You post lots of serious things, but then you always make a point of posting this lovely light-hearted side why is that so important to you to make sure you include that in between all these serious legal this and what why is that such a I think key because I have been when when my eldest was very little I mm -hmm. was I mean months old I was breastfeeding solely every 20 minutes because of her blood sugar conditions I was the only person that would see to her needs I wouldn't let anybody even so much as change her nappy when she was little I had to have control of everything and I ended up where I was just an emotional wreck when she was about 18 months old and uh, from that day literally from that day forward um, I installed my, my Betha clock 
and I have religiously. <laughs> I like that. It doesn't even. It doesn't matter if I don't even feel like it. Every single night, I have an hour to myself. I have a bath. I have my candles. I have my bubbles. I have during the week. I have a cup of tea, and it's the best cup of tea that I've had all day because it's exactly piping hot. At the weekend, <laughs> I'll maybe have a glass of wine or a, or a pink gin. <laughs> but it's just tight, and I have a book. I don't have my screen. I have. I have. You know, whatever book I'm reading at the time, and it's just time everybody needs time to unwind sorry and Beth to interrupt I... you but I sorry this is a lovely comment that's come in from N-I-Z-G-E Max and it's, I'm literally going to quote it isn't Beth just blooming amazing so happy to have connected oh. with her oh, <laughs> and thank then, you and then someone else has put maybe but I think this person knows it so they're being cheeky <laughs> Agree with you, N-I-Z-G, Max. She is blooming amazing, which is why she's on my show this evening. Sorry, back to you, Beth, with the wine and the gin. <laughs> as you were, as but you yeah, were. I think, I think it's because when I, I, I literally treat Twitter like my dear diary. It is my dear diary because <laughs> it's my place to go to vent and my place to go. So if I, if I, for me, I've always been very, sort of, if I write it down, it's out my head. And I, and mm. I don't. I don't internalise it, if that makes sense. So whether it be, it used to be, I used to write diaries like, you know, that was my thing when I was younger. Now, Twitter's my dear diary. <laughs> so if, if something's on my mind, instead of it being in my head at my gob, it's in my head at my phone. <laughs> and it's out there in the ether sort of thing. And I really enjoy the fact that people have very different takes on sort of what I share every time and I never ever sort of take a very very rare it's very rare that my buttons are pushed sort of thing you know with that kind of thing I just like the fact that we can share the fact that sometimes it's just needed you just need to unwind you just need that take a minute two things here we've had like a revelation this this is great like people revealing their true identities n-i-z-g-e max has just said it's leanne i have no idea why my username is that so i i I don't know who leanne is but i think you know who leanne is i I know who leanne is (laughs) thank you for leanne i do feel for you that you've got a very bizarre username but that's the joy of podbean um i'm really pleased you said that because somebody tweeted something from um i believe it was ricky gervais and uh, I won't repeat what he said because I don't swear and he did use a couple of curse words. And he made a very valid point. He said, I've got 12 million followers. He said, I don't know most of them. And he said that when I post things on my Twitter account, he says, I just post them because I want to. And they yeah. choose to take it personally. He said, that's really silly because it's the same as walking into the city centre and seeing a billboard and choosing to get offended when that billboard wasn't directly aimed at you. And for yeah. me, I find it fascinating from an educator's perspective to see what a parent has to say, because like I said before, and I'm not just saying this to be polite, I really do give a lot of value to parents because sometimes they, a lot of the times, in fact, they give me that missing piece of the jigsaw puzzle that I need to do what I need to do to give their child the best chance in school. And when I see your tweets, for me personally, they're actually really insightful, if I'm honest. It's almost like informal CPD for me to actually hear (laughs) from parents. And I think you do speak for a lot of parents, which is, again, why I think so many parents, which I think is lovely, turn to you for that support because they haven't got that necessarily that knowledge or that confidence to actually go to school in the way they need to. The best thing I ever have is when, and I've had two parents recently, Mm -hmm. where we've started our journey together and I've gone in and I've supported them and they were as quiet as they would not voice anything. They didn't have the confidence at all. 
to fast forward about maybe 12, 14 weeks of working with them and going into school. And they actually messaged me um, to say they had challenged something on their own sort of thing. And it wasn't a massive thing, but it was a massive thing for them to have done that on their own. And they were so, it's that, it's the saying, isn't it, empowered? Being empowered just gives you that feeling of, you can do this, do you know what I mean? And it's just a lot of parents don't have the confidence I, to actually speak to them. Can I just interrupt you there, sorry? I think you're being unfair to yourself and to them when you say that, that you say it's not a massive thing. If they've done it on their own, it doesn't matter what it is. The fact they've done it alone yeah. is a massive thing. I think you're oh, it's massive. saying yourself. It is massive now, for them. I've got another fan of yours here. I don't know who it is, sorry. It's QSBX. I do apologise. I don't know what your real name is. But this person, she or he has put, finding Beth on Twitter at a time where I was struggling for support, etc., has been always amazing. She's empowered me more than she realises. Oh, it's Michelle. Thank you, Michelle. Oh, my gosh. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I want some, like, Silla Black sort of, like, surprise, surprise going on here. This is great. <laughs> I'm glad I don't have mascara on so if I cry I don't actually smudge it and I'm glad it's not on video <laughs> and then Mrs oh, I'm Mrs Sorcher actually knows you too she said I wish I'd known Beth before I'd become a teacher when I felt lost trying to do with everything gosh I think I'm gonna start crying in a minute my god <laughs> This is what it's a loving. This, this is the Miss Say show. This is becoming the Beth Appreciation Show. I'm just going to walk off in a second. You can, you can take over. You see, you see, Beth and Ato's not all that bad. I never said you were. I think that that's the biggest thing for me that you can is the balance. That that is that is ma- the massive Absolutely. thing that you have. Everybody has more than one side to them. It's in, and it goes for parents. It goes for for the kids that we work with it goes for teachers that work with them everybody has more than that one side that you see to them listen the thing is with with and i I can i can say this i'm in the privileged position of being a dsl and a senko and maybe some dsls out there might disagree with me but personally speaking i think send has got more complicated laws attached to it there's more laws attached to the work of a dsl Mm. don't get me wrong but the laws attached to send are far more complicated you know, with the, yeah. when the funding gets involved, then it really becomes tricky. Like, you know, my God, I'm reading this policy and that law and this act and that act. It's yeah. a lot to take in. It's pretty, see, it's heavy going stuff. It's heavy duty stuff. And then working with parents and helping them navigate everything, helping the young person stay informed as is their legal right. It's really tricky. Yeah. So sometimes you do need to have that little bit of a laugh and a joke. Otherwise it becomes, it's, yeah. it's quite hard. It's just it? too it's exa- Yes, it's too exhausting. Thank you for your lovely feedback. When when Rebecca was born, she was born in Scotland. Oh my God, sorry, Beth, sorry. Oh my God, I feel like such an idiot right now. Terry, I've just realised you're my Terry. (laughs) (laughs) Toons, Toons, Terry. I I can't, this shows you I've still got COVID brain, Terry. I am so sorry. Terry is actually my, arguably my Twitter soulmate right now. He draws tunes of me every day. I'm just clocked now who he is because he's called me Miss S. Dude, you just said that. Terry is a gem. Terry is an absolute gem. Terry's going to be a guest one week. Who watch? I'm going to make him come on. It's going to happen. It's good. Terry Culkin is going to be on this show. I promise. There's another petition. Right, so basically, as in the show, what we've discussed is Beth's going to start a petition to abolish Ofsted, which I think yes. he won't struggle to get signatures on at all. Then I'm going to start one <laughs> to get Terry to come on the show. Sorry, Terry, I am still. I do apologise. <laughs> that might take a bit longer, but I'll get him on anyway. But honestly, my goodness me, it is 9.26, so we are going to have to draw to a close, and I'm heartbroken <laughs> to say that. But Beth, it has been an absolute pleasure 
to have you on the show this evening. I cannot thank you enough for your thank insight, you. for your wisdom, for your humour, for your honesty. I've learned a lot from you this evening. I'm sure the listeners have. And thank you so much to our lovely listeners for being so engaged and interacting with us with your lovely input and feedback. And again, Tar- Terry, I do apologise for the record. It took me so long to clock. It was weird. <laughs> But we are going to wrap up the show now. <laughs> we're saying thank you again to Beth. I'm sure we're going to continue this chat outside of, of the show. Um, but yes, we, we've covered so much here. And, and to, listeners, please do continue to listen in. I'm sorry, I'm going to mute you for a second. Sorry, Beth, I do apologise. Um, we have got um, another excellent lineup tomorrow, equally excellent lineup tomorrow. We've got the breakfast show from 9 to 10.30 with Sylvia, followed by the brunch show with one of our newest hosts, Caleb DeMerchant. From 11, uh, sorry, yeah, 11 to 12.30. We've then got the lunch show with a wonderful brother from another mother, Khalil, from 1 to 2.30. Then the afternoon show with Dr. Atieno, Twilight show with Kaylee, and then the late show with the wonderful, wonderful Christopher Vowles from 8 to 9.30. So please, if you enjoyed tonight's show, do make sure you tune in again tomorrow. And I have got even more fun guests lined up for you in the next few weeks, so please do tune in again but next week's Late Show will actually be on Friday, not on Saturday, because I've got Tom Sherrington, yes, the Tom Sherrington, lined up. So please make sure you tune in next week. For this evening, I will say good evening. Thank you so much for everything. Have a lovely, lovely evening. And until next week, stay safe and stay happy. Bye-bye now. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.